What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. Then join us every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for more top-tier NFL content. Welcome to the city. everybody welcome into the sack city podcast i am your host the one and only vinnie milani joined as always by your boy the reigning and the defending undisputed somewhat heavyweight valedictorian of the show aj johnson below us we have my best friend in the whole entire world aaron the mukesia mukes and below me we have the smoothest voice in sports casting he is dylan kearns it is a beautiful june 22nd or june 23rd no wait june 22nd morning (laughs) here in the city i'm still trying to get used to this new morning show life but welcome in everybody to the sac city podcast we are taking over your mornings with our great content and our beautiful faces except for Dylan, who is looking like a lobster these days. Uh, Episode 44, we're continuing our fantasy talk. We're now breaking down division by division and team by team in their fantasy outlook for 2022, kicking off with the AFC North this evening. Uh, Aaron, how goes it in your new life? Tired. To be honest, I'm tired. Uh, It's been a grind, man. It's been a grind, but, uh, you know, it's always good to come here and do some Sac City stuff, kind of get me away from the 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 big time industry and, and more focused on what we like to talk about, which is strictly football. But uh, having a good time, just just a little bit tired. They're keeping me busy. Uh, I, I find myself continuing just to say that our show is like higher than anything that I do in life. Like even if it's like my real job, which is very high and I work on very professional things, I'm like, you know, the Sac City content is just it is it is number one. It is number one on the list. Uh, But it I mean, we're the best. We're the best. We have our new time slot. We are taking over the mornings with our good morning Sac City. I want to remind everybody to please use that hashtag GMSC in the mornings. We're talking about Sac City and what you're seeing on the shows, whether you think Dylan says something stupid, which, well, he normally does say something stupid or when look, surprise, surprise, AJ leaves early on in the show because his Internet has once again How? crapped, How? crapped out. How is that even we were possible? All- even in the morning. I'm sitting, listen, I'm sitting in an Airbnb in the middle of the hood. I don't even know <laughs> if this place has Internet and yet mine's still connected. It's, it's swear to God. Does- Swear to God, we were on, we got into the studio about an hour before showtime and he was perfectly fine from what I saw. And now once that record, once we go into live mode, once we go into this, it's, it's all hell breaks loose. But while AJ is fixing his internet, let's get into our morning headlines. Yesterday, Rob Gronkowski announced he is retiring. The four time Super Bowl champ is retiring after 11 seasons in the NFL. 
part of the NFL top uh, NFL's 2010s all decade team, 2014 comeback player of the year, five time pro bowler Gronk did it all in his career with the Bucks and the New England Patriots winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl with Brady. Dylan, is Rob Gronkowski the greatest tight end of all time? Oh, come Ow. on, man. <laughs> Scroll no, I just said the word. <laughs> wow. I said the word. No, um, <laughs> you know, I love Antonio Gates. I love like there's there's something about Antonio Gates during his career. I loved him and Philip Rivers and there were so many good tight ends. Tony Gonzalez, a beast. But when you talk about a legit red zone threat, a matchup nightmare, that's Rob Gronkowski. And this dude was an absolute beast. And he was he he, he caught everybody's attention. Everybody wanted a piece of Gronk. Uh, whether he was stiff-arming dudes, throwing them down, making great catches, getting into the end zone, winning Super Bowls, and just bringing that personality out on a daily basis. I still remember that Bills game when he threw that cornerback down and they had their little beef. That was nuts. But, I mean... <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, I to me, he's. I don't think he's the best tight end so of all time. So it's a no. No, it's a no. It say it with your chest. I apologize. There, I, I, I'm there, gonna say no. no. You're you're fine. It's just I and I'm gonna go to you, Aaron, next on this thing because you of all people love calling this out. Whenever something recent happens, everyone gets a lo- loves and attached to whatever recency happens. And they think, okay, automatically I want to say that so-and-so is the best because he's so fresh on the brain. Is that the case here with Rob Gronkowski? Or do you think he is actually the best tight end of all time? No, of course he's not the best tight end. He's one of the best. If you want to put him in that situation, that category of saying, hey, he's one of the best tight ends that we have seen in the NFL. Sure. But to just label him the best tight end, uh, I think that's uh, I think that's going a bit too far. First of all, I don't even think this conversation is close. To me, it's Tony Gonzalez, and it's not really that close. Um, you're talking about a guy who's had six, time, six first-team All-Pros. Gronk's had four. Tony Gonzalez played a lifetime. Gronk's been injured throughout most of his career. The difference when we talk about best versus most accomplished, you want to argue Rob Gronkowski's got more Super Bowls? Sure, you can have that conversation. He also played with the greatest player we've ever seen play the game. So, yeah, there, there's been some of that with him. He's gotten Super Bowls sometimes when he hasn't even been playing. Um, and he's been an impact to those Super Bowls. Don't, don't get me wrong. But to say he's the best tight end we've ever seen, I don't know. I think, again, I'd have Tony Gonzalez up there. I'd have Antonio Gates up there. Uh, I mean, we could talk about guys that don't ever get talked about. We could talk about Kellen Winslow up there, not – not uh not not junior but uh you know uh, listen there, there's there's just other guys that we can talk about uh before we get to Gronk when we're talking about the best now did he have the potential to be the best I do believe that and there's a guy that's knocking right on his door that's Travis Kelsey and, and we talk about the numbers being put up let's not mis- no make no mistake about it the numbers between Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski aren't going to be that close. Travis Kelsey will have better numbers in a shorter period of time because it is more of a passing league, because he's more of a focal point in that offense. And I could say the same about Gronk having numbers that maybe Tony Gonzalez didn't have because they weren't throwing the ball as much back. So um, it's a conversation. He's in that group of great tight ends. But to to be labeled the best, I think that's going. Yeah. Yeah. AJ, what was it like on 
to on Monday where or Tuesday where uh, Rob Gronkowski announces retirement. You were obviously in Tampa. He didn't have uh, an insane. Like, obviously, he had a big impact in Tampa with obviously the Super Bowl. But what was Tampa like going through the announcement of the retirement? Well, you know, I don't have windows in my office, so I don't even know what outside looked like during the day. But uh, <laughs> the the, <laughs> the norm coming from everybody, uh, this is kind of expected, to be honest. I mean, the amount of time he took to announce the fact that he wasn't coming back was kind of the feel in the air that he wasn't, to be honest. Um, now, I don't know how much truth you want to put to if Brady comes calling halfway through the season, he might come back and play. I mean, they said that the last time just to keep you hanging on by a string, but I kind of had the feeling in the offseason that he wasn't going to make it back. And, and, you know, we're thankful. Tampa's thankful. They got him him a ring of recent memory, and uh, he'll go down as a very likable and favorite buck. Can't say greatest of all time or (laughs) one of the real greats because we are there a season and a half, in all honesty, you want to talk injury and so on and so forth. But I I, I really felt like you could see this coming, though. AJ, was that a Microsoft joke? Windows you're the in worst. your office. Shut up, Dylan. No, we're passing ben, through Benny, this. We're gonna pa- we're gonna pass Benny, through this because I can I point out, and I I really don't want this to be like hate on Gronk because he's a great tight end. I'm glad you know I'm glad he had a great career and leaving the game that sucks. But um, just to kind of put it into context, Gronk's only had two seasons with 80 or more catches. Two, the entire career. Guys like Tony Gonzalez has done it nine, ten times. Like the, it's. He's been a red zone threat. He's been effective in big games, and he's been a, a go-to target for Tom Brady. But we have got to be careful when we start just labeling <laughs> the guy the, the greatest ever, and, just because he's he's now because he's playing now or was playing. Yeah, and and it's unfortunate. We we talked about this the other day, and I'm I am ashamed of myself for doing this right off the jump. We talked about this the other day when we're talking about players and where they rank overall and how good their careers were. And in this case, Rob Gronkowski retiring. And instead of talking about the great career, Rob Gronkowski had, we're comparing him to others. We're trying to rank him uh, versus others. And instead it ends up, coming into uh, being a conversation of where Rob, Rob Gronkowski wasn't good enough, but the man five-time pro bowler, four-time Super Bowl champ, all decade team. This, th- he is a special tight end. And if he's actually hanging it up, which AJ, you brought up, maybe if, if Brady calls coming, uh, comes calling back to, to Gronk in the middle of the season, if he comes back or not, I, I honestly could see that happening. And I'm putting that like more of a 70, 30 chance. I don't know about you guys, yeah. but that's a, that's a 70, 30 chance that if, if Brady comes calling in at week eight and saying, we want you back. I mean, it, it could be about not wanting to make the decision right now and letting them focus on what they're doing instead of wondering if he's coming back and not wanting to just commit today. Who knows? Maybe it's week eight and nine and he's like, all right, my body's right. I don't think so. I do think this is it. But like you, like I get it. Like if, if, if he was to take the field again, I wouldn't go, Oh my God, the world's crazy. Like I didn't, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a small, like that, if that would be a part of it, but I don't know, man. I, I think he really enjoyed his retirement time when it got that feel for his body being straight, not having to go out and get tackled and hurt week in and week out. That's what I forget. Just, this man was just riddled with injuries throughout his career. Like his body at this point, he's a big dude getting older. 
his body might be talking to him and he might be listening. This is it, yeah. and here's why. Guy who's a free agent. Why announce retirement? Just hold out till the end, right? That that's that's the thing when I look at this. I mean, the last time he had to retire because he was still under contract with the Pats. He was either going to be back or not. Right now, the dude's a free agent. So, I mean, he could have held out till week eight. And he could have just signed a contract then. He could have waited. So now that he announces retirement, I think it is official. Okay. Okay. Well, either way, after 11 seasons, Gronk is retired right now, and it was a hell of a career. Hall of Famer. We're not, no one's going to argue that. He is a Hall of Fame tight end. Hell of a career. And we wish you the best, Gronk. And we can't wait to see what you do in your new life, entertaining the masses. Because you know, whatever he's going to get into, it's going to be entertaining. Uh, We're about to go into our AFC North fantasy breakdown. But first, AJ, please load up those golden pipes and tell our morning viewers where they can follow us Good morning, Sac City. We are so happy y'all are with your boys on the Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. If you haven't yet, go ahead and hit up every single one of those wonderful platforms and make sure to hit that like, that follow, that share. And of course, as always, tell somebody about the new morning show taking over your airwaves, the best football content on the interwebs at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Your boys are back in town. <laughs> Sex City Pod, baby. And if you're listening to us on a podcasting platform, please be sure to write us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please drop it in the comments how much you love this new morning show. Good morning, Sex City. My wife is going to kill me because she's asleep and she's going to end up waking <laughs> up to that. Uh, <laughs> oof. Oof, lots of learning things here. But let's get into our <laughs> AFC North fantasy outlooks here. And uh let's get let's get into position here. We're gonna go through some positions here within the AFC North and their and determine really their fantasy, uh, their value as a whole. I want to start off with the quarterback position, though. And we've talked about it, and Dylan, you even brought this up, or maybe it was AJ at our pre-show. We've talked about this quarterback position. Within the AFC North, so many times, whether it be Joe Burrow, whether it be Lamar Jackson, whether it be Deshaun Watson, and where these all where these guys all rank, but we've never really talked about it from a fantasy perspective. So, Aaron, I want to I want to kick things off with you here. Who is the best fantasy quarterback in the AFC North? Last year, we saw Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Although Lamar Jackson got hurt, both averaged around twenty points fantasy points per game. So who actually is the best fantasy quarterback in the AFC North? Um, all things equal, I, I think the answer is Deshaun Watson. And I think that answer is only predicated on, obviously, if he's on the field, uh, which I don't think any of us anticipate he's on the field for 2022, at least for an entire season, which is going to make his draft value go down. So all things equal, I would say Deshaun Watson. But for me, between Joe Burrow and, and Lamar Jackson is really what we're talking about here. And both of them, are probably being drafted around the same position, top seven, top eight at the quarterback position. I, I lean towards Lamar Jackson, and I think this is because of one thing. It's the rushing value. Having a quarterback who has the ability to run gives you the upside of a number one overall fantasy player. And, and Joe Burrow, I'm sorry, as good as he's been, Joe Burrow will never be the number one fantasy player in football. Josh Allen. The Patrick Mahomes, those guys always end up doing that. Lamar Jackson, we've already seen do that. He was the number one player 
a few years ago. He's been in the top 10 two of the last three years. He even finished number 15 last year, and he did not even play an entire season. And it was considered a down year. I think Lamar Jackson is the answer to that question. And I, I don't want to say it's not close, but I think the floor for Lamar Jackson is so high because of the rushing value that he just is going to supersede anything Joe Burrow can do. Yeah, that that that's the biggest thing we talk about all the time within fantasy. It's almost like a simple concept at this point with the fact that if you are a mobile quarterback, you are way ahead of any quarterback that does not have that type of mobility. And it's not to say Joe Burrow is not mobile. He can get out. He can run. He can scramble. He can do that kind of stuff. But in terms of a fantasy impact, it's almost strictly his passing and strictly his touchdowns that he's going to get with throwing to guys like T Higgins and Jamar chase. Whereas Lamar Jackson has it all. He's got the yards. He can throw, he can run. And it's, it's just game changing when it comes to fantasy, you look at the ceilings of the two and you could honestly say that Joe Burrow, I don't know if that ceiling is a number one quarterback, but for Lamar Jackson, you know that if you're getting Lamar Jackson at his best in fantasy, you arguably could have the best quarterback in fantasy football. AJ, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for me, Joe Burrow is going to have to have one of those Patrick Mahomes 50 touchdown type seasons to see that type of quarterback relevancy when it comes to top QB in fantasy. I mean, you're talking like he'd have to be one of those knocking on the door, breaking the QB record of fantasy points for us to look at him that way. Otherwise, you're, you're still getting a great product. Don't get me wrong. You enjoy having Joe Burrow on your team. You're happy to get him. You're definitely going to use him as a starter. He's got weapons all over the place. He will be fantasy relevant. But I think you're looking somewhere around 350, 360, which is a great season. When you're looking at Lamar Jackson, fully healthy and with his weapons around him, you're talking about knocking on the door at 400 season in and season out again because of that rushing uh, capability. So uh, Joe Burrow is going to be a guy that we're talking about as being the best QB in the, in the AFC North, whether it's fantasy or regular football for seasons to come. But I don't think, I don't think we should jump and react to his last season and just anoint him all of a sudden. You guys fear the weapons that he has this year? Losing Marquise? I, I don't feel anybody even thought Baltimore had weapons with Marquise Brown. Yeah. And again, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's gotten better every season. And I think Hollywood Brown has been given kind of a bad rap uh, because he didn't go out right away. But he's actually produced yep. pretty well the last couple of seasons. I, I think Mark Andrews, I think the running game. I don't think Lamar is ever going to be the quarterback going to throw for 4,000 yards, 45, no. 5,000 yards. It's not. But he'll throw for 3,500 and a lot of touchdowns. And he'll run, right? Because he's already thrown 39 touchdowns in a season where he didn't throw for a lot of yards. They score a lot because of their style of offense, and he gets a lot of them on the ground and then tight ends in the red zone um, and out of the backfield. I I don't think that impacts Lamar Jackson like it would another quarterback. Joe Burrow is a top – let's not make no mistake about it. He's still a top 7 to 10 quarterback in fantasy, and you're still getting him as a starter uh, to AJ's what? point. And then Deshaun Watson's a top 10 quarterback in fantasy as well. Arguably three top 10 quarterbacks we're talking about here. So if you said, hey, maybe I'm going to pass where Lamar's being drafted and then That's... take a Joe Burrow, like, well, I could see that and it may be okay with that if there's a difference in the draft value. But if there's not, I'm going to take Lamar Jackson. But so it's also as of right reward. As of yeah. right now, the ADP for Lamar Jackson, you're looking at the end of round four and the ADP for Joe Burrow is the middle of round five. So it isn't that big of a difference as of right now so between the two really quarterbacks. Listen, so what you're juggling there is risk versus reward. I think there's a much higher risk 
especially this year with Lamar Jackson, than there is with Joe Burrow. Cincinnati addressed the offensive line. The offensive line should be improved. He's a year removed from an ACL injury. So that part of his game should be better. And plus, he doesn't run as much as Lamar Jackson, who's obviously going to be at risk whenever he's running for injuries. So, and we saw the injuries last year. So the risk versus reward, maybe you lean uh, uh, Joe Burrow there if you want to play it safe. But just understand, by taking Joe Burrow, you're probably not going to get a guy that has the potential to be that number one fantasy option uh, like a Lamar Jackson. Let's go to our last or our, our next positional uh, breakdown here. And it's the running back position. You got guys like Nick Chubb. You got JK Dobbins returning from injury. Um, you have uh, Najee Harris. There's a lot of good running backs in the AFC North. Dylan, how would you rank the top four, maybe five? If you want to throw in a backup or, or, or two, or two uh, in there. How would you rank the running backs in the AFC North? I'd go Joe Mixon at number one. I go Nick Chubb at two, Najee Harris at three, Kareem Hunt, J.K. Dobbins. Ooh, see, that's where I wanted to. This is where, and I, and I remember talking to Aaron on the car ride back into Jacksonville, talking about the running backs and what we we're going to do with this. And I, I was like, you know who I want to go with to right away on this question was Dylan to hear his, his, uh, his rankings Because not to say you're wrong, Dylan, because you're not, it's just an opinion. I always have um, different thoughts, but, but Kareem hunt over JK Dobbins, a starter over a backup. And maybe you don't want to consider Kareem hunt, just a, any other backup, but you have him over him. Why Kareem hunt over JK Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins coming off of injury, and I, that's not the only reason I'm looking at here, right? I know J.K. Dobbins is in a good offense. Gus Gus Edwards is coming back on that offense. We just talked about him being a potential seal. It is ADP. Um, th- that offense runs a lot, and I, I'm not saying J.K. Dobbins is bad. Kareem Hunt's shown. You're talking best running backs, and Kareem Hunt, he's getting receiving out of the backfield, still being fantasy relevant. Nick Chubb has missed a few games. Kareem Hunt stepped up and played well in those games that he's missed. I mean, Kareem Hunt's a starting running back. I don't think there's any slouch on J.K. Dobbins here. It's just he's coming off an ACL in a loaded backfield that has a lot of guys in an offense that likes to run, which could be beneficial to him. I think he could have a good year this year. I think from a talent perspective, I like Kareem Hunt more. The reason the reason it's beneficial for J.K. Dobbins, and you kind of mentioned it with your question, you, you don't feel they really have any weapons for yeah. Lamar Jackson on the outside. They got a lot of tight ends. We talked about the fact that they want to get back to what they're good at, and that's running the football. There's going to be touches to be had by J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards when they both come back. And the fact of the matter is they are both still nursing that injury, and John Harbaugh has already said he's not sure which one's coming back first and how ready they're going to be. So, But once they get in there, he plans on running these guys. And J.K. Dobbins is ready to step back up and reclaim his role if he can So I think between him and Gus Edwards and uh, Lamar Jackson, I know you always have a worry that if anyone else touches the ball, your player is no longer valuable, but that's just not true. So uh, I think these guys are going to have a decent amount of touches. And it's hard to say, like, it's hard to say that you're wrong when you're thinking about it that way, because now you're talking about a Kareem Hunt who's going to split touches and a J.K. Dobbins who's going to split touches. Uh, So I guess you're having your preference. I I can't call it either way, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know someone who will. I, I'm surprised that we're discussing the the lower end of this uh, of this scale, right? Which is the the four and the five guy. Because I think it's clear we all think it's it's mixed in Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, and whatever yeah. order you want to put them in. I agree with Dylan. I do think it's Joe Mixon first, 
um, the way they yeah. used him last year, the lack of competition behind him, the the talks about Pittsburgh reducing Najee Harris' role a little bit touch the ball way too much last year, um, that he's not going to last if they continue to do that. Um, I, I think that all plays into it. But the interesting thing about J.K. Dobbins and Kareem Hunt, Dylan, you love Kareem Hunt. You 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 love Kareem Hunt, and I think AJ likes Kareem Hunt too a lot. Just um, <laughs> like about being able cool. to draft them both. But Kareem Hunt has not been <laughs> the healthy back. Like you get on here, you bash Dalvin Cook for missing games, and then you're willing to take a Kareem Hunt in the fourth and fifth round. Kareem Hunt has missed eight games last year. Played the full six before that when he actually ranked tenth in RB. But he missed eight games before the year before that. Missed five games the year before that. He's only played two entire full seasons. One was his rookie year, and one was the year before last. Um, I don't know that I trust Kareem Hunt as much as many people do. I think that he's kind of overhyped, uh, not, in, not in the skills department, but his ability to stay on the field, his ability to produce as a consistent fantasy running back, as a backup to Nick Chubb, I think that's an issue. Um, I, I never like guys that you, you might have to pick and choose what game he goes off. And, and for me, that's a Kareem Hunt-style running back right now. Um, at two of the last three years, he's finished outside the running back 45. No, thank you. So um, at their current ADPs, I would much rather have J.K. Dobbins, even though I know he's getting running back by committee, probably because he's coming off the injury. I'm a lot more comfortable going to an offense that I know going to run the football consistently. I don't know if Deshaun Watson comes back that they're going to be a run first football team. They might be a pass first football team. Um, I am comfortable with saying in Baltimore, is on the field, or if J.K. Dobbins is on the field for Baltimore, he's going to get enough touches. And, and it's as simple as that. Um, I, I think they like him in the red zone. I think he's going to be the only running back that works in the passing game. And, and the fact is, is they really do like him. 134 carries two years ago, and he was productive with those 130. You don't think a passing offense in, in Cleveland would help Kareem Hunt? No, nope, 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 no, no. Deshaun Watson Deshaun never Watson throws the running the back. Down the field. Deshaun Watson is the push the ball down the field type of quarterback he never Kareem throws to a back he's gonna get his catches but I'm he, say he's also smart <laughs> with Mayfield. It's, not, it's not it's it's just about even design right the design for a Deshaun Watson is to push the ball down that's what Deshaun Watson wants to do because a lot of times when you're checking down to your running backs because you can't escape pressure which Deshaun Watson can do and he's one of the more athletic quarterbacks in the league and he'll end up getting rush yards and things like that I think Kareem Hunt is valuable but I think he's overdrafted in a lot of places and when you're comparing him to a guy like J.K. Dobbins, I think I'm safer with J.K. Dobbins than I am Kareem Hunt. And I don't know where they're being drafted at this point. So again, draft so, ADP does matter. Um, but I much would I much rather have a J.K. Dobbins say the I don't know. Fifth, he's going fourth, fifth round. He's going at, at pick 39. So that would be what the third round. That would be that's pretty high. That's extremely high for J.K. Dobbins. That's extremely high. Yeah, it's he's going as the in redraft. He's going in in PPR. He's going as the RB. J.K. Dobbins is going as the RB twenty one. Kareem Hunt is going as the RB thirty. Did say that. So that's thirty. He's going thirty ninth, and Kareem Hunt's going seventy seventh. My quick math is not going to work right now, so I'm just going to give you those numbers and take it as you will. Yeah, it's early in the morning. Quick, yeah, there but you go, the fact, Yeah, the fact of the matter is, is that's not great value for J.K. Dobbins. Uh, and I think people are assuming he's coming back from an ACL injury 100% healthy. But even if he comes back, I, I'm 
AJ said they're going to give a run. I don't know how many touches J.K. Dobbins get or Gus Edwards. They're both coming off significant knee injuries. I would imagine they're going to be more of a 50-50 split than anything, especially to start the year. Now, maybe as the season goes on, it picks up a little bit. But to return yeah. that value that you're drafting J.K. Dobbins in the third round, I think that's a bit of a stretch. That's too high to me, in my opinion, even even at the front end of the fourth round. Like, I was thinking, like, you, you would have had me thinking about it in the fifth round. I'd be reaching and jumping up for joy in the sixth. But uh, late third, early fourth is kind of early. And, you know, from what I can remember, this Harbaugh, I mean, he, he'll, he'll tell you like it is for the most part, if I recall correctly. I could be completely wrong about that. But they don't expect them to come back from the season ready to go. It is going to be as the season wanes on. So you're already talking about Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins potentially missing time. So, Tyler Brady. Again, like, yeah, that's part of the reason they drafted him. That's part of the reason they brought in Mike Davis. They know that they're going to have to rotate this. <laughs> and even when these guys do get back <laughs> <laughs> they did it. It doesn't Mike matter how Davis you feel. They did it. Hey, so did Atlanta. Yeah. Mm. yeah so did so I say did Carolina, uh, now never again. Never so again. They, 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 they brought him in. They plan on using him. He produced in Mike Carolina Davis. when McCaffrey was out. They give him a contract in Atlanta, and he absolutely was overdrafted in every fantasy league last year. And he absolutely never again and, will and, I have the Mike Davis. And Mike Davis, right after being productive in Seattle, took his happy ass to Chicago and just got absolutely destroyed and cut halfway through the year because David Montgomery was that dude. Mike Mike Davis is this year's James <laughs> Conner. And if you missed our shows last year, we avoided James oh. Conner. We were wrong. We were very wrong about that. That's but I don't disgusting. think we're going to be wrong this year about Mike Davis. So, uh, But if you... If you, and we talked about this player a little bit, Gus Edwards, we have a YouTube video out there right now floating around about Gus Edwards and how much we value him at his ADP spot. So if you missed that, check it out on our YouTube page at Sac City Pod. We are going to now get into our AFC North team by team breakdown, kicking it off with the AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals and Aaron, start you off with this one here, buddy. Who has the better ADP value, Jamar Chase or T. Higgins? What's the ADP? Yeah. You're not going to give me the number? Come on, kid. Uh, there, what kind of producer ADP, is this? I yeah. mean, I figured you did your research. You literally, like, I already know all my shit there. I mean, Jamar Chase is the wide what? receiver. Jamar Chase is the wide receiver three going in the first round. And T. Higgins is going in the second, the third round, uh, at the wide receiver twelve at pick thirty-three. Oh, um, why? Oh man, wide receiver twelve. Yeah. Um. You, you know what? Like this might surprise a lot of people. This must because I was on the the hey slow down on Jamar Chase bandwagon, but I think it's Jamar Chase. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I do think. Higgins' upside is capped a bit by the the want to get Jamar Chase the football, the electric ability to make big plays. Um, th- there might be more games where T. Higgins is consistent, six catches, 80 yards, you know, seven catches, 85 yards. But those games where Jamar Chase goes, you know, fifth or 15 catches or whatever, six catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns, it's going to be too many. And I think that I think that Jamar Chase at three is going to give you that. It might be frustrating at times. It's going to be the the Mike Evans every once in a while where he has a game, you know, two catches for 15 yards, and you're like, what happened? But 
Um, overall, I think in the, over the course of the season, I think Jamar Chase at the wide just much better value than what you get. After two good seasons, I equate T. Higgins very much to like Terry McLaurin. I think his upside ah. is capped, but he's pretty consistent. But when you look at the end of the season, you're like, finished wide receiver 24. Not great, but you feel like he had a great year. And I think his name value ha- is more trade worthy than what you're actually going to get in return. So uh, if you have T. Higgins, think about maybe moving off of him uh, if you can get some good players. I love that take, Aaron. I really do. I think Jamar Chase, you know, the guy's the early first rounder. With what are you guys laughing at? The way um, you know, I, I love I love that take, Aaron. I really do. That's a great take, man. I love that take. I, it, it really was. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you can't get screwed with Chase. I know he's a first like he's a first round pick, right? That's the one you want off the board. That's your wide receiver. You take him. Sure, he's going to have a few bad weeks, but I mean, the guy is legit a number one wide receiver on your team. Your number one, your first overall pick, your first, not overall, first round pick. That that's, He's not going to screw you. You take Higgins in the third, it's a little little spicy, little, little uh, L, L, uh, caliente for me. But, um, you know, it's I think he's got to fall down a little bit. I think you could get screwed with Higgins. You can't get screwed with Chase. I agree. He, he's a, He is a bit... He's a big play machine. And I, and you, I don't, I don't think you, there are Aaron. I think you brought it up there. There are times where you might be a little frustrated with Jamar chase, but his talent and his ceiling, you're going to more than likely get that return on that investment. Although he is going ahead of guys like Devonte Adams, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill. Uh, are you okay now with that? Wrong. Aaron? Now, now. No, that, that is wrong. That's blasphemy. Um, Jamar Chase is great. And the wide receiver three is too high for me. I'm not, I'm not saying that I would take him there. But the value for there versus what Higgins is, is, is okay to me. But when you can reject okay. a guy like that over Stephon Diggs and Monte Adams, I don't agree with that. Um, remember, finished as what? I, I believe wide receiver five last year. A lot of that was. One game against Kansas City, 12 catches, 200-something yards, three touchdowns. That put him from probably wide receiver 11, wide receiver 9, 10, 11, all the way up to wide receiver 5. So, um, again, the big games are going to be there. But if you're looking for somebody that's consistent, great, and then also can give you big games, that's Stephon Diggs usually. That's Devontae Adams. I'm not taking my chances just yet drafting Jamar Chase over those guys. Uh, but if you had to ask me again, value-wise, is it Higgins in the third or is it Chase in the first? Uh, I'm probably guys. I want to I want to bring up a point here about Jamar Chase. Now, this don't compare football players, okay? We're comparing fantasy football players here, so don't say, "Oh, you're an idiot. You're stupid. You're oh. terrible." Well, Jamar Chase. You know who he, who he reminds me of? At least through one year, fantasy-wise, he's like Tyreek Hill, and he's like Calvin Johnson where he'll give you that big game and he'll, he'll have a few thumpers. He'll get a seven. He'll get he'll, like in a PPR format, but that's the kind of fantasy player you're getting here. He's going to, he's going to put up those monster games that win you weeks just out of the blue. And I think that's, that's, that's how he, his career is going to end up as a fantasy football player. Yeah. He's not, he's not a high volume guy. That's really what it boils down to. I think he only had like three or four games where he had seven catches. And I'm, that's a lot of catches, but, there, there are just guys that do that more often. He's a 
three catch, four catch, five catch guy that produces big yardage because he has big plays and then explodes for touchdowns um, in games. And I, I don't want to take anything away from him. That's the kind of player that can explode on a fantasy to help you win. But if you're looking for that consistent Cooper Cup type numbers, eight or nine catches, and then maybe he gets a touchdown now it's elite, um, you're probably not going to get that with Jake. So that's why I don't have him in my top three at the wide receiver position. But if you take him in the first round, I'm not. I'm not mad at him. Last question on the Cincinnati Bengals. AJ, this is to you. How will the offensive line improvements affect the fantasy stock of players like Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow? Uh, this season, obviously, we saw them real reload that offensive line. It was a big problem last season. This coming season yeah. might not be the same problem. How does it affect Burrow and Mixon? I mean, I know a lot of people are going to enjoy the Mixon train a lot more this season as well. And you were very happy with them last year. Uh, I mean, they, they ran the ball about 45% of the time last season. And Joe Mixon was still able to be productive enough with it. Uh, only three games over 100 yards. I think that's going to happen at least another three times this season. Uh, with that offensive line, that push that they're getting, they're getting some pros up there. Uh, I think that I think that Mixon is going to have another breakout year. I think you can look at him in that 12, 1300 yard area, maybe even more in pace to do that. So uh, with Joe Burrow, I mean, I, I wasn't able to look at the numbers, and everything, but just think about the amount of games he had where he was sacked nine times or something of that nature. And imagine if he could get that pass off even six of those times, you know, you're, you're, you're adding a substantial amount of uh, potential points from there. So this line is obviously going to help the offense. That's a non-starter. I think with this offensive line, like we talked about Joe Burrow earlier on in the show about comparing him to Lamar Jackson, not necessarily comparing him, but seeing which fantasy value, which player is going to be better in fantasy. And I do think that offensive line is going to help out immensely when it comes uh, to Joe Burrow. Like you said, AJ, getting off those passes a little bit sooner. Aaron, you're kind of smirking over there. Are you, are you, uh, what are you, what are you thinking over I, there? I think we're mixing football and fantasy. I don't think it's going to change either one of their fantasy outputs. Like, I don't think Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow was quarterback seven last year. I mean, Joe Mixon was the top back last year. I don't think that's true. Um, on the field, it's going to look better, right? It's going to be more time <laughs> for Joe Burrow to throw. But I think in the end, when you look at the end of the season, you're not saying, oh, my goodness, man, the offensive line helped so much that Mixon went from running back four to or running back five or six to running back two or uh, Joe Burrow went from quarterback seven to quarterback two. Like I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. So, yes, it'll look cleaner. They'll, they'll be protected. There might be a little bit more holes. But I think in the end, they're – where they're drafted, where they finish, are going to end up very to what they were last year. Because they both had really good years last year. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe so Joe Burrow so moves up a spot or two. Like, I, I, I can see Joe Burrow getting into quarterback five or six. I'm trying to think off my head. You can't maybe. see Joe Mixon being a top two running back this season? Top two? No way. No, no way. Two? Boy, no have you way. lost your mind because no I'll help you find no? it. No I mean, I, mean, they ha I mean, they have him on pace for 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns as of right now. Who's that? Oh, that's what Who's they're projecting. Who the hell is that? Who the hell is that? Who the hell is that? I would go with media pundits. <laughs> I mean, those are, those are articles and paces that I'm seeing. Uh, I've seen that on Sports Illustrated. I've seen that. The man, the man has, has, the man had his best year last year, and I'm a Joe Mixon. I love Joe Mixon. man mm -hmm. had his best year and had 1,200 yards. And they're going now, all of a sudden, jump him up 400 more and save 1,600 yards? That's a stretch. Hey man, like, people grow. 
That's it is stretch. That he, he's saying it's obviously going to adjust over and over again for he's sure. He's going into his sixth year in the league. He's had over a thousand carries on his body. I don't think Joe Mixon is going to all of a sudden have some breakout 16, 1800 yard season. Uh, number one, I think they're going to rely too much on the on the arm of Joe Burrow uh, to even give him that many carries. 292 last year, averaged four yards a carry, and ran for 1200 yards. I, I, was he going to average six yards a carry this year? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what more you want from from them that's going to put him in the top two when you got guys like Jonathan Taylor who get the ball a thousand times, when you get guys like Christian McCaffrey come back healthy, Najee Harris who touches the ball a lot, Austin Eckler who's a dual threat extraordinaire. Like those guys to me, Alvin Kamara are top are guys that can finish top top two, three, four, and five. Like Joe Mixon at his best is going to get up into the top three, four, five, and and that even then that's a stretch for me. So he'll have a good year. Um, no doubt about it, but I mean he's being drafted as running back seven, I believe. Right now. There's a reason why. And what did he finish as last year? Uh, I, I'm, I thought you had it. Okay. No, I thought you saw. It. <laughs> no, 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 I, I did. I didn't look. Um, sure, still I, I, too. I have, what? Sure, last still year, Joe Mixon finished we're as running about back an improvement, six. So clearly, running back six, Joe Mixon. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. He could get so to the top that. five. I wouldn't knock the top five. Yeah. But, again, for him to have an offensive line that's now fixed, um, to then jump from six all the way to, to two or one, I, I just don't see that. Not saying don't draft him. Because <laughs> I would definitely draft him. At his current ADP, I think that's a perfectly good spot. Number two is I like just Joe- nine. Yeah, that's not asinine. That is, it is. <laughs> I do remember there were some people on this panel last year when I was talking about Joe Mixon that were like, "Sorry, I got, got to show the, the reason why I want the reason why I kept going like because mm, 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 I wanted to correct myself because I knew that this was a wrong stat. Joe Mixon finishes the RB four in PPR leagues. I last thought year it was five as the RB yeah, four. So that I didn't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong about these and things. I don't want to look like an asshole, which normally I do, but I digress. Uh, let's move on to the next team on our list. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers here, and Dylan. We had a conversation to start the show about the running backs, and you were making just one of your stupid faces. We're talking about Najee Harris and his workload. What? See, there it is. This. That's the face. That. That's the face right there. It's just the face what it what what is it what what is your what are your thoughts on on Najee Harris because now there's there's reports coming out out of camp out of out of many can we you stop are just the word <laughs> can we stop with this reports about about a short night lessening a workload for Mr. Uh, Najee can we stop I mean, with he that said shit it, he did say it himself I don't care who says it Mike Tomlin does not give a damn about no running back by committee, lessening no workload. He doesn't give a shit. This dude had D'Angelo Williams behind Le'Veon Bell, and he still, when Williams was kicking ass when Bell was coming off his suspension, said, all right, next, boom, Bell gets 30 carries. He, James Conner, go be that horse. He goes down, well, shit, now we're screwed. He, he is not a guy that, that mixes running backs very often. He's a bell cow type of guy. He has his bell cow back. That's why they drafted him in the first round. I'm not buying it. Mike Tomlin has never been a head coach that goes to different running backs throughout the course of the game. Maybe you'll see a Samuels from time to time on third down. That's what they did a few times. But all I'm saying is, this is a three-down back. It's a workhorse. It's why you drafted him. 
And that 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 that's my take here. I I think Najee Harris will not get a lessened workload. Okay, first of all, you need to stop. Stop what? <laughs> you need to stop. Stop. Nobody what? said that. Nobody mentioned Najee Harris not being a, a, a three down back. And just because you're a three down back doesn't mean you can't have your workload lessened. We've seen this from guys like Ezekiel Elliott, two years into his oh, career. Oh yeah, he's very very down now. Stop. Listen. Two years into his career, what did they start doing? They started running a, a two series with Zeke, a series with Pollard. Two series with Zeke, a series with Pollard. Saying that you're going to lessen a workload does not mean that he's not going to get touches. Najee Harris touched the ball almost 400 times last year. Unsustainable in the NFL. It's not going to happen. So if you think Najee Harris is going to get 400 touches again, you're crazy. You wanna, now he might be more efficient go- this year. You want to go deeper on the fact that guys with 370 plus touches don't last the past over the past decade. These running backs had over 370 plus touches, and that is not a good number of injuries right there. Derek Henry, the most recent one, Christian McCaffrey, David Johnson, Lev Bell, who you were talking about, Arian Foster. These guys are getting injured after carrying that, that much workload into the following season. So if Pittsburgh's smart enough, they won't be, they won't be running Najee Harris that much. What they're do you, not. What? The fact of the matter, they're not. He's not touching the ball four hundred times two years in a row. You brought up the list there, which you should have did. I mean, not you should have done or Vinny, but the two guys that were healthy, Zeke and I believe Demarco no, Murray on yeah. that list. How many yeah. touches did they get the following year? Well, it was did they get a, that was did they get almost four hundred? That was the other no. thing I was going to mention as well, and I just wasn't sure. They're, they're like, it's, it's one thing to say that you're going to regress because obviously if you have that much workload, you're gonna, you're gonna regress. It's, it is not sustainable. But when you look at back at that list, the players there, Zeke was the only one to be able to have a campaign from 2018 to 2019 where he didn't actually regress, but all those other players, the following year regret regressed massively, like massively, whether it was a thousand going from 1500 yards to seven, DeMarco Murray went from 1500 yards to 700 yards. Adrian Peterson is the only guy that didn't have like a massive regression. Cause that was the year he went for 2000 yards and then he went to 1200 yards. So when you are giving a, a running back that many touches, it is not fa- it does not favor you the following year, whether it be injury or a massive drop off. What are you shaking your head at? What, what, what are you saying? Hey, you're wrong. I see two you're Steelers wrong. on that list. Why did they do it twice? They didn't do it twice. That's the point. The list there says they took they did get 400 carries. The following year they got hurt. That's what that list said. Yeah. They couldn't do it two years in a row. That's, yeah. what, that's why your point is debunked. Oh, but there is Bell, no Bell way and then Najee Harris is touching the ball almost 400 Bell times. Bell got over 400 times, multiple times in in Pittsburgh. That, that's Twice. not what we're talking about. No. Why? It's a Mike Tomlin back. This is what That's my point. That was my driving force is Tomlin no. doesn't give a shit. No, 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 no. Your driving force was why can't he do it again? First of all, Le'Veon Bell had one year over 300 carries. One year. And that graph no, that, that's touches. That's touches. You're, you're not. You're not listening, Dylan. Touches are different than carries. And when, even when you bring up Le'Veon Bell's numbers in 2017, he had 321 carries, 85 catches. That was the, the only year. We're talking he was at about him not being efficient. We're talking about his workload being lessened. I'm not what buying I'm the workload. Is that that's the only time Le'Veon Bell went almost 400 carries. 
or touch it. He never did it again. So you're saying Najee Harris is going to do it back-to-back years, which no running back has done. None. Including Ezekiel Elliott, who's on that list. He didn't touch it 400 times. That's the point. Is We're saying the workload is going to be lessened no matter what you say because no player sustains that type of workload, especially at the running back position. Now, if you want to argue he's still going to get work, yes. He's going to be a three-down back, yes. Is he going to get a lot of touches? Yes. Is he going to get almost 400? No. He also don't have, so for, doesn't have dink and dunk Ben Roethlisberger back there with no arm to throw the ball to, <laughs> where he's just going to dump it off every play. So, so for fantasy purposes, going into the Najee Harris and the potential lesson workload for him, we're basically, from what I get at here from the panel here, is that it won't matter. For fantasy, Najee Harris is still going to be a very valuable back, whether he has that massive workload that he had last year or whether he has just 300 touches this year. We're not concerned about Najee Harris, right? As a fan from fantasy only. I'm more excited. Correct. I'm more, more excited for the guy. More excited for what? Than last year for Najee Harris. You think with the less you think with the less touches he's going to be more effective and it's going to be a better I, year. No, that, is that you, you, you lost your damn mind because I'm not I'm not saying that. I think well, Najee I'm Harris to, I'm is trying to going figure to be out why because you're like oh I'm more excited about it. But then why the hell are you more excited about it if you don't think he's going to be, have a better season? What are you excited for with no, Najee I'm Harris more, then, Dylan? I'm more ex- I'm more excited because he's going to have a better year. It's like, what you I said, just are you said. Still draft, you said are you still drafting him? Are you still excited about? It? I said I'm more excited about him. Wait, wait, you said you think he's gonna have a, a better year than he had last year? Absolutely. At the Why same, are you guys making those faces? He, he just got done kid. saying how he's Najee Najee Harris finished, I believe, as the RB3 last year. Yeah. He's gonna have a better year Correct. than he had last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh uh. All right. I do believe I, I don't believe you've had not I don't believe you had Najee Harris in your top five in your running backs or your no, fantasy finishers, Dylan. I think Where I, the I, top, I did. He was five. Wait, wait, in his top I, I'm ten pulling list, it up. Was Hold he on. in the top five? Because if I he think wasn't he was at three, it up. Oh. Be flat. Dylan's top ten, Najee Harris was number five. So See? that is not a better year. Yeah, how is that a better year? Can't be wrong. Someone's wrong every once in a while. Not all those guys are staying healthy. No, 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 no. You ranked him as five, and then you say now that he's going to have a better year than he had last year Mm -hmm. when nothing's happened yet. So how is that even possible? I think he has a better year. Not making shit up. CMC, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Najee Harris is your top five. Either way, I don't like it. Either way, he was he was running back. Three last year he was RB three last year. Like, how do you say all of a sudden that he's gonna have a better year? It doesn't even make sense. No, you don't even you don't say that about really about top five running. Like, just let me. It's hard to do. Let, you refrain from let those me switch. Words. Let me switch this question up here, and I know I'm gonna go to Aaron next on this quarterback talk and Deontay Johnson. But AJ, I I posed the question to you about and the Bengals about their offensive line improvements affecting Joe Burrow or Joe Mixon. Does offensive line help Najee Harris this year at all? We talked about I mean, last year how, how 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 bad it was. 
I mean, we've proven he can do it with or without. I mean, back from his days in Alabama, uh, at to an extent. I mean, anytime you have an improved offensive line, I'm not saying they didn't have a good line, but like I, I know, we I, we we, we spoke about the way he ran without block and how he gets out of things, uh, gets out of tight spots and whatnot. But I mean, it goes without saying. Anytime you have an improved offensive line, you're you're due to to run a little bit better. Um, I think it's more on the quarterback play that's going to come into uh, into account here. Yeah. Uh, like you said, you don't have the dink and dunk, but do you have the wherewithal of the quarterback of a Mitch Trubisky or if Kenny Pickett ever gets in there that they are going to check down and look for Najee as their blanket over and over again? And maybe maybe his workload becomes lessened in the run game, but it's raised in the passing game because of the fact that these quarterbacks may be looking to check him down to save themselves time and time again. And I know he had a lot of t- a lot of catches last year, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, uh, I, mean, I can see the same thing happen again. Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, it was and, huge. And, and he's proven his due, though. So, like, I could also see it being schemed up where he's in the 80, 80 catch, 85 catch range as well. That's tough to do. Don't get me wrong. I know it's an astronomical number, but he can do it. He can do it. It's, no, you're, talking about, move, you're talking about you're talking about nine more catches. Bro, he, had, career, he had an amazing year last year. Him <laughs> getting 74 catches was like mind blowing to most people. And now you're saying it's only like nine more catches. Well, yeah, he already was breaking <laughs> history and shit as a rookie with 74. As a rookie. Now he's a better player. No, it's not about the player. It's the design <laughs> of the offense and the lack of quarterback play that they had last year in offensive yeah. line. So the yes. quarterback didn't have a chance to set and throw anything down the field, which means it was like drop back, <laughs> dump it off the Najee, drop back, dump it off the Najee because I'm dying here. The offensive line play <laughs> will improve his efficiency as a runner, but it will also improve the fact that they have more time, which will allow them to push the ball down the field more, which so, will eliminate some of his targets, some of his catches. So, Aaron, what is this? Mitch Trubisky back there now. What is this? Uh, we're talking about quarterbacks here, Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett this season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Talk about Najee Harris all you want, but there's another big time player on that offense, and his name is Deontay Johnson. What is his outlook for this upcoming season? You are a big Deontay Johnson supporter. You have been in the past. He is a fantastic wide receiver. He now does not have Ben Roethlisberger throwing to him. He's going to have Mitch Trubisky and or Kenny Pickett throwing to him. What is Deontay Johnson's outlook heading into 2022? Um, I don't think he's, I don't think it matters. If he's football. Big Ben wasn't good. Like, we, we talk about Big Ben like he was in the prime of his career. Big Ben has not been good for the past two or three seasons. Um, I think the uh, improved offensive line play is huge. You guys brought it up. Uh, they did address the offensive line. Mitchell Trubisky is a more mobile quarterback than Big Ben. They'll allow the receivers to have more time to get open. I think that's a huge help to Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, uh, George Pickens, and some of those guys. Um, whether it ends up being Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky, uh, they're both more – they're able to move more freely than Big Ben. I think the receiving core for Pittsburgh is about what they were last year. I, I don't see in it a huge shift. I think you lose a, a little bit in the area of the smarts of Big Ben, the experience of Big Ben, right? You lose that part of it, but you gain back the athleticism of the younger guys that can move around and extend plays and allow these guys to get open. I think Deontay Johnson is a top 10 wide receiver. Um, I've always thought he's been yeah. a top 10 wide receiver talent, and, and I don't think that changes this year. He's going to be a huge target share. They are going to be behind. They're still not really that great of a football team, in my opinion. Um, they're going to have to play from behind. He's going to get a lot of targets uh, top 10. Hell, Mitch Trubisky made Taylor Gabriel look good. And, and I'm, a Mitch, I'm a Mitch Trubisky believer in the right system. 
like protect him like some of the other quarterbacks get protected. I'm not saying he can be great, but he can win some football. Yeah, Deontay Johnson is a very special wide receiver, in, and I think he's going to have a great year, possibly a top 10, possibly top 12 uh, receiver in this league next year or in fantasy next year. Let's move on to the Cleveland Browns here. We got to start rolling here. The Cleveland Browns, a lot has happened to, and a lot has changed within this offense uh, in this past offseason, obviously bringing in Deshaun Watson. I, I didn't have this question on the dock. And I'm going to just throw it up. And whoever wants to slam dunk this one home, I, I just want to see where it goes. We talk about Deshaun Watson. The reports came out yesterday where he had a settlement with 20 of the 24 um, victims. And he we're getting closer and closer, I feel like, to a decision on whether Deshaun Watson plays in 2022 or not, or whether it's maybe an eight-game suspension or whatever. What is What do you do with Deshaun Watson in redraft leagues this year? Are you drafting him high? Where are you taking him? What are your expectations? What's the process like assessing Deshaun Watson's fantasy output this season? Does he have an 80? What's his ADP at right now? Uh, is he no, seeing no. it? I mean, kind that's of the real same question. I mean, I don't even think last year. I don't even think it matters. Right now, Deshaun... He's QB 13 going in uh, the 103rd. If, if you're drafting before the decision comes down, you don't touch Deshaun Watson. In a redraft league, there's no point in drafting Deshaun Watson if the decision has not come. Once the decision comes down, if it is less than a year, less than the full season, that's when the dilemma comes. But until then, stay in a way. And if you're doing redraft league and you're drafting right now, go somewhere well, so- else. Not, not <laughs> Well, so what's right. the dilemma though? What what is the dilemma when if if it comes down as an eight say an eight game suspension? What is your dilemma Me and drop. how are you how are you taking it? Can Not you before round games? eleven? Can you sustain yeah. eight games? Are you a good enough evaluator of talent to sustain a, a, a you know that many games? Like that's, but you also got to remember this guy that hasn't played football in years. Like there's going to be some growing pains, and if it's week eleven. Yeah. If, if say he gets suspended eight games, and I don't know when their bye week is, maybe their bye week week nine. Who knows? If you're coming in week 10, 11, the fantasy season's almost over. Like yeah. you're gonna get are you gonna ride with Deshaun Watson going into your no fantasy playoffs. playoffs week one, knowing that he's only had two games under his belt and he hasn't played in a year and a half? No way. Like I, I, I lean on the side of just staying away, but if there's some yeah. miracle he's only suspended for six or for four, or they say there's no suspension. <laughs> Then it, it becomes a different question. But as of right now, based on all the information we have, why it's probably be yeah. I, I I might be on I I I don't I don't like I I understand the fact that and you brought up the him you riding with him towards the playoffs if he only has two games under his belt. I actually look at that in the opposite way of you have all that time before the playoff before your fantasy playoffs and you have to make a decision on a quarterback. And if you're drafting Deshaun Watson in the 11th round or the 10th round, who are you drafting? Are you drafting a quarterback before that? Cause if you're drafting a quarterback before Deshaun Watson, it's either it's either, but, but you say, of course, but it's either Stafford, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Jalen hurts. You're not benching. You're not going to really bench any of those other quarterbacks for Deshaun Watson though. Right? Are you, are you are you like we talk about so how, how are you double? advocating for yeah? 
are you advocating no. to not draft him? Or are you saying no? Like, what I'm wh- saying, what I'm saying is though, is my concern. You you said your no. concern is more of the fact that it's it's you're not going to want to start him with with two games under under his belt heading towards the playoffs. I don't know if I'd want to even. I guess I'll say that if he, if he suspended eight games, I'm not drafting Deshaun Watson because right. of the fact that, because if you're what drafting you a quarterback, but I, I know what you're saying. I'm saying I'm looking at it in a completely different way of not just so much the fact that it's towards the playoffs that you're concerned. It's getting to the playoffs is the concern. You're not using, and it, you're, wait, first of all, you're not using two of your top 11 picks on quarterback. In a one that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. So, and if so you're, you're drafting, drafting, drafting Matt Stafford or one of those guys first, you wouldn't be. If you're I, if you're I, taking I know. Watson, you're taking him first. That's what I'm trying to say here. Because if you're taking Deshaun Watson first and he suspended eight games, you're looking at eight games of a season, either streaming quarterbacks or rolling out with Kirk Cousins, Trey Lance, Tua, Justin Fields, guys like that. And I don't know if I'd want to do that. And that's why I am coming to the conclusion of not drafting Deshaun Watson if he suspended eight or more games. It is agreeing with you, but I was giving a different perspective of you brought up the fact that it's close to the playoffs, not starting him two games under his belt. I'm talking about you have to get to the playoffs first and you're not going to get to the playoffs streaming a quarterback like a Kirk Cousins or Tua or anything like that. That's what I'm saying. Kirk Cousins is a top quarterback every year. Kirk yeah, Cousins let's settle a, down. A, a, I like Cousins. I, I Kirk love Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a borderline quarterback one every year. What are you talking yeah. about? They'll have his doozies, but he'll lay those 30, 38 the, games. The problem, is, the problem is you have a drop-off after Matt Stafford to the next quarterback in those five. But the quarterbacks that are dr- being drafted after Deshaun Watson are Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. Why can't those guys be found fantasy relevant? Why can't Matt Ryan be fantasy relevant in Indianapolis? Maybe yeah, James Derek- Winston gets back to being fantasy relevant. Like, you're not looking at – you're talking about streaming quarterback. But you can Trevor play Lawrence. You can play some of those guys every week. It's not a streaming situation. They're just not quarterback one. And, and, and quarterback one – or quarterback two does not mean a stream. Like we have, we, we can't say quarterback 14. Oh no, we got to find a streaming quarterback every week. No, he's just outside the top 12. So taking Deshaun Watson doesn't mean that you have to not make the playoffs because you have Kirk Cousins. Like you can start Kirk Cousins every single week and you're probably going to have a pretty good team if you didn't draft a quarterback till then because you got all a bunch of great, good receivers and good running backs. See, this is where I wanted to get in the conversation. This is where I was your hoping dilemma, to get. Your dilemma That's, is you took Deshaun late. Watson now in round 11. Now here comes round 12 and 13. And here's, hey, you know what? Let me just go ahead and get some insurance and draft Kirk Cousins too. Your first 10 picks were all wide receivers, running back, tight end. You probably got a good so, solid team. Kirk Cousins so is quarterback. So if you're Wait, considering. Now it's week eight. Deshaun Watson is back. You're not going to play him first week or I guess week nine. Weeks nine and ten, you bench him to see what he's got. Say he's done okay in week 10 or 11, he balls out. He has a dud. It's week 12. Now you have to make the decision. Have you seen enough to play Deshaun Watson over Kirk Cousins, who you know what you're going to get with? I'm, I'm saying that's tough to do, and I don't know if I would trust that. So I lean on not drafting. I, I haven't chimed in here. I'll say this real quick. There's no chance in hell I'm drafting Deshaun Watson. He didn't play football at all last year. He hasn't played football halfway through this year. I don't know what the heck I'm getting here. Redraft league, piss off. Going somewhere else. It's fair. 
That's fair. And that's why I wanted to discuss it because there are people that are out there that are probably considering whether or not taking Deshaun well, Watson in a yeah, redraft. If you do is, that, and if you do that, and if you, and if you do so that, wild. I was getting at where the, what the quarterback should be. If you are doing that to get you to week eight, if that is the earliest that he is back. Who finished? I'm, a believer, into the I'm a believer in not drafting quarterbacks. So there's guys there. I would still take, I would take Justin Fields to be honest. I, I, I don't mind Justin Ooh. Fields. I, I'm a, I'm a be honest, I don't mind Jameis Winston. You know, I'm a big believer in one young quarterback this year. That I think it's going to take a huge step in year two, and that's Zach Wilson. I am not afraid to wait and try to try my luck on a court on those type of quarterbacks. And, and we all know that AJ's favorite quarterback is sitting there as the QB 24 in Washington and Carson Wentz. So if you that's draft Sean Watson, never. <laughs> I mean, Who finishes with more fantasy points? Decent fantasy Sean last Watson, season, so Baker really Mayfield. Angry about that. Well, I mean, we don't know if Baker Mayfield's going to play football. Right. We don't know we if Deshaun Watson's going to play football. That's why the question's been asked. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, that's actually... Yeah, I was Baker, like, wait a minute. Baker Mayfield will be the quarterback of the Panthers. Jimmy G might be the quarterback of the Panthers. Jimmy G's not I might playing be the, football. I, I might be the quarterback of the Panthers, but let's move on I'll here. I'll take Vinny over both those guys. <laughs> I got a hell of an arm, man. <laughs> I'm like that. I'm like Uncle Rico, baby. Let's go. Um, okay. So, AJ, real quick, though, without Watson, what is the value of the receivers uh, in Cleveland? Obviously, you got Amari Cooper. No more Jarvis Landry. What's the value of the pass-catching weapons in Cleveland if there is no Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it, it kind of worries me a lot. Um, this it almost seems like a brand new receiving core in Cleveland with brand new quarterbacks, Jacoby Brissett, who's only ever been decent. Uh, I mean, you look at Amari Cooper as your number one, and even that, you're, you're probably having him as your RB2. I'm sorry, your uh, wide receiver two or trying to get him as a flex. In the last couple of years, you, you've watched his fantasy output decline, and I think that's going to happen again. Um, especially if you don't have a Deshaun Watson in there. So uh, David Bell's a rookie. You don't know what to trust there. Donovan Peoples-Jones has only been given a handful of attempts. And then you're looking at a Jakeem Grant, who is basically a return guy. So, uh, you know, you always look for your number one receivers on a team and know that they're going to get some fantasy value. But, I mean, there's just receivers so deep. You can go so many other places. And if there's no Watson in this team for even the eight games, I'm probably staying far away from any of these receivers. Aaron, are you on board with that? You, I know you like I know you like Amari Cooper as a obviously former cowboy. You like him a little bit, but are you on board with what AJ said? Nope. More or less, Aww. yeah. Great. <laughs> more more or less. I mean, okay. it, most All of right. what he said, I I don't I, I'm not gonna argue everything. Like he, I think for the most part, but I I think it is hard to gauge anyone on this Cleveland Browns roster or offense, unless your name is Dick, Nick Chubb or Dylan's favorite player, Kareem Hunt. Um, I mean, all right, let's uh, uh, Cooper is going to get his this is the best. Receiver. So yeah, that, that, yeah. Like, yeah, that that's fair. It's just anything for football. It doesn't matter. It could be Jacoby percent. It could be Dylan's grandmother. It, it really doesn't matter. Whoa. They're going to throw to him. He's in the Cooper ground. On the other side, there's not very much talent. Donovan, Jones, you know, David Bell, they said they like, but, Mari Cooper's the best route runner. He's going to get the target. He'll have a good year. Yeah. Regardless of that quarterback. Game changer. Yeah. 
Kevin Hogan. Though, so basically, it's the same thing as as what Cleveland has been in the past. It's that one number one receiver, whether it be Jarvis Landry or Mari Cooper, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Gosh, that's it until Deshaun Watson comes back, and then at that point, it's a mess. Uh, Baltimore <laughs> final team that we are talking about tonight. I only got one question. We talked a little bit about JK Dobbins earlier. We talked about Lamar earlier, but this offense as a whole, AJ, you brought up on last week's show. And if you missed it, talked about Rashad Bateman having very good value at his ADP, but we all know this offense runs through Lamar Jackson, heavily targets, Mark Andrews, Aaron, what, what is the value of the wide receivers as a whole in Baltimore outside of Rashad Bateman? And really what's his value as well? Because again, it's Lamar running, it's Mark Andrews, it's JK Dobbins. It's really that's, that's heavy of their offense. So what's the value of these pass catching weapons in Baltimore? Um, I think there's more value than most people think. Like we're not talking about, uh, wide receivers that don't get the ball. I mean, Hollywood Brown had 143 targets. He had 91 catches. Is that not value? I mean, can, can 91 catches be turned into 1,200 yards? Absolutely. Can 900 catches be turned into 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns? Absolutely. I think there's value there. Um, I think it's overstated that there's no value at the Baltimore wide receiver position because no wide receiver has stood out to what people would like. There's, so, um, there's going to be 150 targets that spread around. It's going to go to somebody. Uh, maybe another more to, to, to tight ends. Maybe there's some more to Mark Andrews, but I think Rashad Bateman is going to be the recipient of most of them. Maybe Dylan's favorite guy, Devin Duvernay. But <laughs> Bateman has Tardif. 68 targets of his own last year. He had 500 yards on his own last year. If Bateman saw another 70, 80 targets from what he saw last year, is that not going to then boost him up to over a, a thousand yards. And I think he's much more of a, a touchdown threat with his bigger body, bigger frame in the red zone. Um, I think they look to him a little bit more this year in the red zone with Lamar playing a full season. I, I don't know. I, I think their wide receiver outlook is fine. There's just not many of them there. So uh, you look at Rashad Bateman and you say, that's a player that you might get a steal for, especially where he's being drafted, which I know is not, <laughs> not very high. Like he, he's yeah, being it, disrespected it across the board because of the offense he plays in and there's guys that I would much rather have, or I would, he, I'd rather much, I'd much rather have him than guys like, um, honestly, Jerry Judy, Elijah Moore, Michael Thomas, for sure. Get him Darnell Mooney. Not excited about that. (laughs) Amonra St. Brown. I'm like, these are guys that I feel like Rashad Bateman can have better years. Um, and he's being drafted significantly further down. So right next to Traylon Burke. AJ, yeah, that's that Brown 2.0. That's the biggest thing with the, with the pass catchers, not named Mark Andrews in that Baltimore Ravens offense is you're going to get value with whatever pick you do have, whether you do want to take a shot on Dylan's guy, Devin Duvernay, or you take a shot on Rashad Bateman, you're going to get that value with a pass catcher in Baltimore, because like you said, Aaron, they are being disrespected because the scheme that they, that they run with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, Uh, get your value with your Baltimore Ravens wide receivers. That does it for our AFC North team by team coverage. It's been fun. Gentlemen, uh, we appreciate everyone for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time for Good Morning Sack City. Should I bring AJ, pancakes? 
No, that's that's for fantasy football season during the during the regular season. We do not bring pigskins and pancakes out just yet. But AJ, pigskins. Yeah, AJ, do us a favor and tell the beautiful people where they can follow us at. It goes without saying that you can follow this lovely, wonderful morning crew at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Head on over, check us out. Check out the wonderful content, Vinny with the graphics, Aaron with the tickety talks, Aaron with the YouTubes, Aaron with the, no, <laughs> Check us out, the best content on the interwebs at Sac City Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We appreciate all the love. Come join the city. Sac City Pod, population. One more. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Again, we'll be back again tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern time uh, right here on YouTube at the Sac City Pod. Please drop your reviews, drop your comments, drop your thoughts and everything. Let us know what you think of the show. For your boy, AJ Johnson, for my best friend, Aaron Mukes, for good old Dylan Kearns, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Peace out. Bye. Don't press that next button. That was a great show, right? You know it, I know it. So let's help somebody else know it. Before you listen to our next episode, go ahead and write us a review and let everyone know how great it is to be a part of the city. Sac City, home of six-star content.